0: responsive call to worship that you will find in your bulletin. Thank you, God, for the gifts of life and love that you give us each day that we are able to share together once again at this moment. and the presence of your Holy Spirit, may we take all of the gifts and resources that you provide and use them to our fullest potential. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, even though we are amazed at all that you do in this world, we admit that too often we are too slow of heart to believe and to accept our role as your helping hands and as your co-creator and caretaker of this world of one another. And yet opportunity after opportunity for us to care to mend the brokenhearted and uplift the downtrodden abound. What a gift to be a part of it. What a gift to have such an awareness, and what a gift to have such uplifting possibilities and meaning at our fingertips. But it takes some courage on our part, God, to say yes to everything that you offer and to respond with love and with justice for all. And although we may not always be ready to take that risk, To act here we are again today gathered for your adventure of life once again here we are Lord may we be your instruments as we continue to open ourselves to your spirit your encouragement to your support and to your surprises this we pray in the Spirit of Christ as we join together saying our Father who art art in heaven heaven, hallowed be thy name Please be seated.
1: Good morning again, everyone, and welcome to worship here at Southport Congregational Church. Wherever you are on your faith journey, we are thrilled that you are with us today. Uh, If you would please take your friendship registers found on the outside aisles of your pews, sign your name. Uh, Greet your neighbor after the service is over, um, and um, if you are visiting us, drop us some information on how we can contact you, because we would love to welcome you here to our church family. Uh, Well, not immediately, we'll let you get some coffee and some goodies, um, but... About 11:30-ish, we are going to join um, at, for a time of prayer for Israeli and Palestinian people in the library. If you would like to join Paul and me in that, you can meet us there. Um, and then there are an awful lot of very exciting things happening. I'm just going to—they're all printed in great detail in your bulletin. I'm just going to highlight a few for you. Next Saturday, October 21st, Halloween window painting is back. Um, Our older kids are going to have these big windows here. Younger kids will be in the preschool. It should be a great time for all. Sign up on Fellowship Hall table if you've missed it. Uh, Next Sunday also, we have a second hour in the library that Dave Stewart is leading on how Christians might view mass incarceration. We know Dave is uh, passionate about prison ministry and work, and so it will be really interesting to hear what he has to say. Following... That day, next Sunday at 4, we have the ordination of Julianne Center, which is such an exciting, meaningful, and sacred time for a church. So we hope you can all join us to witness her being ordained into the Christian ministry. Um, Yesterday, you got a holiday food basket sign-up. You are fabulous people. Well, like 56% is already signed up for, so um, we appreciate that. If we can take it over the top to the 100%, that would be awesome. Food is due November 16th, um, so it, you can purchase it anytime and drop it or have it um, shipped here to the church, and we will uh, deliver it from there. So thank you very much. And then two very important church meetings are coming up. Um, we have our Congregational Preliminary Budget Meeting on Sunday, October 29th, immediately following worship. We barely let you out after the amen and keep you here to, uh, so that we can approve a budget for next year so we can keep the church running. And then um, on December 10th, following worship, we will have a Congregational Church Meeting to um, vote on the presented search committee that the church council will be putting forth to the church body. So those are two um, big, big events coming up, and we invite you to join in with both of those. And then um, another big event is upon us, and Paul is going to talk to you about that.
2: And um, this is, good morning, first of all. Hi. Right? We don't want to just launch into saying things. <laughs> So um, this is really uh, one of the most significant, impactful uh, things that has hit Southport and Fairfield um, certainly in the last 30 years uh, since Laura and I have been here, and that is what's happening with, uh, with UI, this UI project that's going right through literally our backyard here. Um, And uh, we sent out an email, kind of a detailed email, yesterday. This is the third email that we have sent out letting people know. um, (coughs) This is bearing down upon us fast and hard, and this affects every single person who's a resident of Fairfield because what is going to happen is not only 40 feet of the back parking lot is going to be taken by eminent domain (coughs) where um, anyone who's on property that gets taken by eminent domain, you now lose that portion of your property as building buildable lot size. So you, you lose. Um, and this is happening for 7.3 miles. <clears throat> so not only that, but the clear cutting of trees, all trees um, along that 7.3 miles, which will cause a blight in Southport and Fairfield, Right through the historic district that drives down property values. Um, it will harm the church significantly, the preschool that is back there. And when some people's property values uh, decline, uh, that happens to everyone. So every one of you should be on, I would say, high alert. Uh, this is the red light spinning and the bells are ringing and um, it is now. So please read that email. <clears throat> we have what we're doing as a church is we have uh, signed up for intervener status to protect our rights as a church. Um, we have become a part of the Sasco Creek Neighbors um, Association uh, and all this information is, is in that email. You can sign up for that um, also to support that. Um, first thing is to please, that with that email that I sent to you, with a click of a button, if you send it to 12, 15, 40 people who you know in Fairfield, then that will spread this. The, the reason for, for the imminence of this is that on October 17th, this Tuesday, there is a citing Council meeting, um, and there's this one this Tuesday, there's one more in November, there's one more in December, and it's all gone under the radar for about two years. Um, and. After this December, in a couple of months, I think that it'll be nearly 100% complete and we will have lost our chance. You will have lost your chance. Um, They've been very deceitful in terms of what they have shared and what they have not shared. They have not shared about driving this through private land and taking your (laughs) land and our land by eminent domain. So please forward the email. Please donate because we're going to have to now hire lawyers as a church to protect our lights. It's going to cost a lot of money. You can please donate to the church. Um, Sign the petition. If you haven't been approached by anybody um, coming in, you will be going out. Please make sure that you take your proactive energies and find that person. If they can't find you, please sign that today. Here, some fellowship hall. Please write personal emails and letters to the governor, to the first select woman, Brenda Kupchak, And then you can also um, go to empoweringfairfield.org and you can check out that and you could join Sasco Creek Neighbors Environmental Trust. So um, this is a direct church matter. It's also a community matter. Um, so please do this for the church's sake. Please this, do this for your own sake today. Um, this is permanent change and permanent lasts a really long time. Thank you. Right.
1: Um, I would like to welcome all the children to come forward at this time. We are going to do a combined event here which is going to be very exciting. So we'll take everybody You're all just gonna have to scoot a little sideways because we're gonna talk from up here today, which is a little different. All right. So today <clears throat> we have two different things happening, but they are all together. They're all part. You guys can sit for just a sec. Thanks. No, that's fine. I, I just don't want them falling asleep standing. So it's a it's a very important day. This is the 180th day that Southport Congregational Church has given out Bibles to their 3rd graders. For the entire life of this church, 180 years, this church has given out Bibles on this Sunday in October. That's pretty amazing. And so, to celebrate that, we have our Cherub Chimers and Cherub Choir going to perform for us, and we're going to welcome. Um, it was a, must have been a strange year. Third grade years ago. I don't. What are you all? Ten? Ten years ago? Eight years ago? Eight? Nine? How old are you guys? I'm thirteen. You're thirteen now. Third graders. Eight. Eight, Eight years ago, because we have really fun group of third graders so come on forth you guys and you're going to come stand right here so we welcome Blake Schluter and Crawford McClay and Griffin Hathaway as our representatives the 180th class of Bible receivers very good looking group very smart you want to show how smart you are all right ready what does the word Bible mean? Little books. Little. Nice. How many little books are there it in exists. the Bible? Nice. The Bible's broken into two large time sections. What are they?
3: New, New, New Testament and, and Old Testament. Old,
1: uh, Old Which Testament, Testament is about Jesus?
3: Um, New. No.
1: No. Give him a hand. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what we are about to give you is... Something that is extraordinary, right? We talked about this last week. It's an extraordinary book. It's the book of God's story of God's people. And it is also the story of you and your faith. So when you hold this Bible that we're about to give to you, you hold a book that has changed the lives of all of humanity. And if you read it, it will change your life too. And the thing I love about the Bible is that it contains secrets. It really does. It contains the secret of how to have a loving life, how to have a happy life, what a successful life looks like. But what's the only way you can discover these secrets? Reading the Bible. Reading it. So make sure you open it and read it. And we talked about it um, last week. It's got great pictures in it, too. I'm a big picture girl for the Bibles. So it is with the blessing of this church and your church family here that we present to you this Bible. So Mr. Whitmore is going to take it from here. Griffin Hathaway and Crawford McClay and Blake Schluter. And now in your honor, your fellow Church school students and church friends and sisters are going to stand up and sing and chime a song for you. So we'll just stand here while we listen to them, okay? Thank you. All right. Let's say a prayer together. Dear God, thank you for the Bible. We pray that it will help us to dream dreams, to be brave, to be responsible, and to be loving people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. You are off to church school.
2: Before we begin um, with our pastoral prayer, Uh, where in our prayer I would like to invite you to lift up all those who are recovering from surgeries and all those who are heading into surgeries, Um, and uh, I know that we we have someone here today. I'm not going to embarrass or anything, but who's here recovering from a surgery and. uh, uh, we want to thank God for that, and also um, to, to thank God and ask God to, to bless um, Neil Ducey's wedding that's going to be happening this afternoon in uh, Brantford, um, and Laura's going to be, I'm going to be there, and Laura's going to be performing the wedding, so that's a beautiful time of Thanksgiving. Um, but just as we begin with our prayer, I just want to start with a, a reflection from an article that I read yesterday, or on Friday. And it's written by a Brigade Operations Command Officer for the uh, IDF, and it says this. I was in Austin, Texas for work on Saturday when I received a call from my commander in Israel, Defense Forces, to return to Israel and head to the front line. I didn't hesitate. I knew that the citizens of my country were in real danger, something that's been on all of our hearts and minds this last week. My duty, he wrote, first and foremost, is to join the fight against those who unleashed a massacre on my people. I boarded the first flight I found out of Austin to head home to join the IDF reserves where I serve as a brigade operations command officer, I am now going to defend my country against enemies who want to kill my people. Our enemies, he writes, are the deadly terrorist organizations that are being controlled by Islamic extremists. Palestinians, he wrote, are not the enemy. The millions of Palestinians who live right here next to us between the Mediterranean Sea and Jordan are not our enemy. Just like the majority of Israelis who want to live a calm, peaceful, and dignified life, so do Palestinians. Israelis and Palestinians alike have been in the grip of a religious minority for decades. On both sides, the intractable positions of a small group have dragged us into violence. It doesn't matter, he says, who is more cruel or more ruthless. The ideologies of both have fueled this conflict, leading to the deaths of too many innocent civilians. Let us pray. Our loving God, this is not just a tumultuous world But this can be at times a cruel and savage world where along with the beautiful flowers and children singing voices and breathtaking sunrises, because of our human actions, we can inflict deep sadness and suffering on one another in grand ways and in subtle ways. So, Lord, as we pray for all of those, we do so for those who are grieving and suffering and afraid and oppressed and marginalized and victims of their governments all around the world. We also pray for those who are doing the oppressing, and who are creating the pain, that you may somehow crack open their minds and work your way into their hearts and soften their internal pain, which is creating the pain that they then inflict on others. We pray for healing, Lord. We pray for justice, Lord. We pray for awareness and fairness, and for each one of us to treat each other simply and profoundly as human beings worthy of dignity and love, because they all, and we all, are your children. And because no one has the right to oppress or belittle or brutalize another, not with our words, not with our actions, not with our political influence, and not with our guns. And so while we pray for you to be with the Israelis and the Palestinians, the Ukrainians, and the Russian citizens, we also pray for every person, every person who is enduring suffering caused by another, in any way. May we all be free, Lord. May we all be protected and protect one another. May we all be healed and healers of one another. May we all have the courage and the compassion and the strength, not just to think the right thoughts, but to do the right thing And may we help create and may we be your workers to create your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. God gives us the opportunity to make a difference. That is powerful. May we take that opportunity every chance we get. And this morning with our offering, this is yet but another chance to be able to share of your resources so that we can receive and share them once again with those in need. joined join together in the unison prayer of dedication. Receive these gifts, O oh God, as expressions of our gratitude and loving devotion. May they be infused with your spirit and presence and be used for your purpose to increase your love among us and all people. Amen. As at least some of you know, this morning I was going to be talking about. Uh, it's going to be finishing up our four-part series. This was going to be the fourth part. We will get to that um, as soon as we are able to do that. But as they say, when life changes your plans, you make a new plan, right? And that's what we're doing this morning. Along these lines, I don't think that anybody, except for the terrorists themselves, knew that Israel was going to be so brutally and viciously attacked. Killing and kidnapping children and babies by Hamas was evil. We don't usually use that word a lot, but there are some times where there are things that are clear in terms of what's happening, and you call it for what it is. As it's been said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing, and this can be applied to many things. So at the outset, just to be clear and to agree with the IDF commander that I quoted earlier, Hamas, as we know, does not equal the people of Palestine. It's a different thing because most of them are also victims themselves of this terrorism now penned in against their will. And so today, Laura and I are going to address Israel and Palestine, not from a political point of view, because we're not politicians, but we do from a scriptural and spiritual and biblical perspective. This um, obviously is something that could in itself be a 52 week series. Um, So today is no doubt going to be incomplete. But there are a few questions that Laura and I have been asked that have to do with some underlying issues that have biblical roots and we're going to try to address these as concisely as we can. And they are, one, didn't God give all of this land to Israel forever? And if so, what do you do about that? What does that mean? And two, there's the question of dominion. As in, when God created the world, God gave human beings dominion over everything, the land and everything in it. Dominion is power. So, how are we as humans to exercise our dominion, the power that we have as human beings? Does dominion mean to dominate? Does it mean to be nasty? And to oppress? Does it mean to abuse power or position? Or did Christ through his leadership, his lordship, give us a different understanding of what it means to exercise power and how we as humans should be exercising our dominion? And how does justice play in all of this? As it's been said, there is no peace without justice. And what would Jesus have to say about that? And then, third, we're going to explore this issue of the chosen people, because that comes into play in this whole dynamic. Who are God's chosen people? And did Jesus give us any particular understanding along these lines of how are God's chosen people, who are they first, and how are they supposed to treat other people? So with these four biblical questions having to do with sacred land, dominion, God's chosen, and justice, we have our scripture passages that you have as an, as an insert there with scripture passages on one side, a map on the other side. And as I read, I'm going to insert some commentary as I go, and then Laura's going to share some perspective following me. But before we start with scripture, let's just start with a little helpful historical background about Israel and Palestine. As we know, or may not know, I don't know, Jacob, who was the son of Isaac and who was the grandson of Abraham, those names might be familiar... Jacob's name was changed by God to Israel, which means the one who struggles with God. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Jacob. It was a person. And the name Israel is derived from the Hebrew words Yisra, which means to struggle, and El, which is shorthand for God, for Elohim. So Israel is Yisrael, to struggle with God, because that's what Jacob did. So the people of Israel were literally descendants of Jacob, of Israel. And then, at one point, it became associated with the land, that these people inhabited, the land of Israel. But this land, by Jesus's time, was no longer ruled or governed by the people of Israel, right? In Jesus's day, the term for the area of land that we think of as being that was Palestine. It was all of it, the land of Palestine. And all of it back then was governed by whom? the Roman Empire, the Romans. So in that land there were Jewish people, there were non-Jewish people who are referred to as Gentiles, and there are Romans, people from Italy, from Rome, all living together. And the Romans divided the land, and if you look at your map, you can see the different areas that it was divided into at Jesus' time. (coughs) Christianity Today, which is uh, a name that you may recognize, a very widely respected Christian periodical, says this, the historical world of the first century Israel is fascinating because although earlier there had been the land of Israel, like during David's time and so forth, by the time it came to the first century, there was no kingdom of geographical region called Israel. And the area had been divided into smaller territories such as Galilee, Samaria, Judea, and so forth, Decapolis, Korea, all under Roman rule. And the Romans began to refer to the whole region as Palestine, the land of Palestine. We've heard that. So everyone living in that region were technically Palestinians, including Jewish people, non Jewish, Gentiles, Romans. And this became the catch-all term for that reason until the birth of the modern state of Israel in 1948. Now, considering that, let's go to Scripture. And let's begin with the questions of who's created in the image of God? Who is given God's blessing? To whom is given the power of dominion? And from Genesis, we see and we hear God created man and woman in God's own image. In the image of God, God created humanity, male and female. God created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And with this, we again ask the questions of Who did God create in God's image? Everybody, male and female. And therefore, who is deserving of that level of dignity? Everybody, male and female. If you're male or female, somewhere in that range, then you're deserving of that level of dignity. Every human being on the face of the earth is created by God, blessed by God, is a child of God, therefore deserving of that highest level of dignity and justice. This is where all justice comes from in the Judeo-Christian heritage. And this leads us to our second passage having to do with the Old Testament blessing and identification with the land, where in Exodus it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, And go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. And this is just one of the many examples of where we get this idea that uh, that the Jewish faith is intertwined now with land. And this shows up in various forms really throughout in Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, the Psalms, and so on. And then moving on to our third passage, this is where we get the idea that the people of Israel are God's chosen people, which they are. They are. But unless we forget the original blessing in Genesis 1, where God created every male and female, God created every human being and blessed them, then we might think that just because you're chosen, that means that some people are chosen to the exclusion of everyone else who has also been created and blessed. And so let's read this passage from Deuteronomy where it says, The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. And here's a short commentary. Where again, first of all, of course, yes, they are God's treasured possessions. As a parent, if you say to one of your children... I love you with all my heart and soul. You're my treasured one. And God gave you to me. What does that mean for your other children? Does that mean that you don't mean this for your other children as well? If you say it to one, you say, I love you with all my heart and soul to one. The other one says, how about me? And what do you say? You say, of course I love you with all my heart and soul too. Just because I say that to one doesn't mean that I don't have that same love for others. I have infinite love for every one of you. What kind of a parent would I be if I didn't? What kind of a God would I be if I didn't? Just because I share the blessing with one doesn't mean that I don't share it with the other we have many people living in our home (laughs) and herein lies our predicament and with that we turn to the New Testament does Jesus have anything to say about who are God's chosen does Jesus have anything to say about issues of dominion and how we're to treat others And to begin, let's just start with a New Testament reading from St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is in there, who said, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. Now that this faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith.
1: So as Paul mentioned, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict has been going on for millennia. As we know, it's complex. It's deeply intricate conflict. And now, sadly, it has turned to a war. There is a bloody and cruel history behind all of this. And sadly, it's a bloody and cruel reality that we're living right now. The actions on both sides have left millions of innocent men, women, and children in a very precarious position. The murder and suffering of the Israeli people cannot be ignored. And the suffering and the death of the Palestinian people cannot be ignored. So where do we turn to even begin to comprehend what all this means? Where do we look to see? How are we supposed to process all of this? Well, as Christians, we look to Jesus. We remember that Jesus himself lived in an occupied territory. Rome had occupied Israel for more than 60 years by the time Jesus was born. We remember that Jesus lived in a highly violent time. All male children under the age of three were brutally murdered to try to kill him when he was a child. Crucifixion and other means of torture were commonplace when he was an adult. And despite all of that, Jesus was a very effective practitioner of nonviolence. In fact, his whole ministry was radical, but nonviolent. He challenged both the Roman and the Jewish leaders on everything from the way they treated people, to the way they misrepresented God, to the way they used violence as a means of suppression. He understood land rights issues. He understood human rights issues. And he understood peace and nonviolence. We can see this clearly when Jesus chose Saul on the road to Damascus to become the leader of the movement. Saul was transformed from someone who literally hunted down, arrested, and or killed young Christians, new Christians. Jesus transformed him to Paul, someone who gave birth to the church, traveling around the world, interpreting Jesus' sayings based On his experience with the resurrected Christ our earliest documents about Jesus are Paul's letters and in one of those letters to the church in Corinth Greece Paul wrote to them to explain how as Christians you now have to look at the world and Paul wrote just as the body is one and has many members And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of the one spirit. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you all are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. I thought long and hard about what to say. We have met beautiful Israeli people, we have met beautiful. Palestinian people. So how are we supposed to wrap our minds around what is happening in the Middle East? What has happened? And what is about to happen? I could only find one source that shed any light, one source that gave me any comfort, gave me any sense of direction gave me any sense of hope and that was Jesus. So we ask, Jesus, what do we do in this time? And we hear him say so clearly, so loudly, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are radical words spoken in Jesus' time. But they give us all we need to know about how God feels about humanity. All we need to know about how humanity is supposed to feel about themselves. And all we need to know of how humanity is supposed to feel about their neighbors. And you know what? Just like not everyone appreciated hearing those words when Jesus said them. Not everyone appreciates hearing them today, and I'm okay with that. Because I look to Jesus to help me understand how to be in this world, even in times of war. And I get one word back. Love. Jesus said, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. He said, We love because God first loved us. And in this time, we must remember that love is the cornerstone of our faith. We are one in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love. We all have compassion and empathy for every single hurting human being who lives in Israel and Palestine. When we see the faces of children who are suffering, we suffer. When we see the image of someone desperately looking for lost family members, we ache and become nauseous over the thought of it. When we see a truck full of dead bodies, we weep. Why? Because we are one in the Spirit of God. But is empathy and sympathy enough? I think in some ways, yes. But only if it moves us to go beyond. To begin to recognize that there's something deeper here. There's an issue of justice. Now the prophet Micah called the world to justice back in 700 B.C. When he said, what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Do justice. In the New Testament, the word justice comes from the Greek word dikiosuni. This was a word of the pagan Greek civilization and carried with it the concept of justice, with fair and equal distribution. That is why justice is represented by a balanced scale. The good are rewarded and the bad are punished by human society, supposedly in a fair way that balances back out. But that Greek word is a translation of the Hebrew word that Jesus used, used, which is zedekah. And this word does not mean a balance. This word broadens the concept of justice to include charity and mercy, compassion, and even love. So when Jesus is talking about justice, he's not using a word that carries with it that meaning of balanced penalty. He calls us to a new form of justice. He says, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may prove yourselves to be children of God who is in heaven. For God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So what Jesus is talking about is a balance that comes not from fairness, but from love, which is shockingly says is given in an unjust manner. That is, God always gives without taking anything back in return. God gives to every person. God loves Everyone. So it's not God who's doling out an an eye-for-an-eye kind of justice. That's on us as humans alone. God's justice is so grand, so deeply rooted in love, that Jesus says that even if a son demands from his father that he turn over his inheritance, and then that son takes it and squanders it away on immoral behavior, and then returns and falls on his knees and asks for forgiveness what will God do God will drop everything and come running back towards that son to bring that son back into the kingdom of love Jesus tells us time and time again to have love and compassion and genuine concern for the well-being of every person this he says is the priority of God's kingdom here on earth. So what does he say when that doesn't happen? When this ideal can't be met? He says this. I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world for you. Take heart. Have faith. Keep hope in your heart. He knows life can be hard, that people can make terrible decisions, that wars can happen. But whenever we can, and as often as we can, we are called to celebrate the gift of love that we all receive freely from God. We are called to be one body, one spirit. Jesus healed a Roman soldier's daughter. He separated the soldier from the oppressive Roman government and raised her from the dead. We are one spirit of God. Jesus broke down social, cultural, and religious barriers, reaching out to those who are marginalized or considered outcasts, He treated them all as loving beings of God, regardless of their social status. He loved them as a child of God, and he helped them. We are one in the spirit of God. Jesus condemned systems and practices that exploited or neglected their people and left them in vulnerable situations. He tells the story of a landover, landowner, not land rover, landowner who hires some workers and promises to pay them a just wage for their work. In the end, he pays them what he promised. However, the owner also paid the same amount to some workers hired later in the day. Justice, Jesus tells us, doesn't have to do with balanced fairness. It includes a kind of generosity that goes beyond what is expected, a generosity that is as big as love. We are one in the Spirit of God. And Jesus shows us that justice can be achieved through nonviolence and peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You have heard it said, says Jesus, you will love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of God. One spirit, one love, one justice for all. As God's faithful people, as Christians, we must stand with Christ. We stand on the side of everyone who God created, not condoning, but praying for those who hurt us. So today, I stand with Jesus. I stand on the side of hope, not despair, despite this. I stand on the side of peace not violence. I stand on the side of justice, not injustice. I stand on the side of love, not hatred. I stand on the side of mourning, not militarizing. And not just for some, but for all. Of God's people. Will you join me? Amen.
2: So we go now from this place, this sanctuary, this place of God's healing and, and love, and God's prophetic message, may we go with these words that are so simple and so powerful, not just things to think about, but real ways to live. In Christ, now meet both east and west. In him meet north and south, all human souls are one in him, throughout the whole wide earth. May we go with this love, may we go living it in justice, in the times when it's easy for us, and in the times when it severely pushes our feet to the fire, and takes every bit of our being to love and to do justice. May we do so with God's courage, God's peace, God's love now and forevermore.